The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Welcome into another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here, your boy Al. How's it going, man? Al's doing well. How is Steve doing? Steve's doing great. A lot better than uh, this has been a rough couple of weeks for me. And I've, I've had thumb injuries and I've had fevers and electrolyte imbalances and you name it. I've had it, but I am so like, I'm feeling a lot better and I'm, I'm ready to attack this new week with a renewed um, vigor. Is that the right word? So yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I was, uh, I sent the message to you, Steve, earlier in this week saying if I was a betting man, I would put on a lot of money that you're going to get hit by a car within the next week or so. Um, yeah, that was great, by the way. I'm glad I, you said that. <laughs> I, I think it's going to happen. It'll happen. Well, it can well, only get I, worse. Yeah. Um, well, we're just going to pray that that does not happen because that would be really, really bad. So, <laughs> so uh, we're talking about the Rings of Power in this episode, which I'm super duper excited about. If you don't know what the Rings of Power is, why are you listening to Story World? I'm Do you have a TV? Do you have a TV? Do you have the internet? Um, do you life? Have you ordered anything from Amazon? I mean, they've got it all over their packaging. Uh, so if for some weird reason you're listening to this and you don't know, The Rings of Power is, of course, the brand new series from Amazon where it is in the Lord of the Rings uh, world. It is in Middle Earth and they are um, – well, I'll, I'll let Alex speak to the details of the show. I think he, he probably could – Tell them better than me, but basically, it's it's Amazon's new, uh, yeah, entry into the Lord of the Rings universe, and uh, they have five seasons slated for this show, and so we thought we'd kind of just offer some analysis about it uh, so far. Yeah, um, definitely. I know a lot of people call it. I even call it the Lord of the Rings show. Um, it is yeah. Rings of Power because it's very separate from Lord of the Rings. It takes place, I think, it's three thousand years before Lord of the Rings at the end of the Second Age. Um, there's some time crunch that they work with, but. Uh, yeah, so far they've had five episodes come out. Steve's watched four. Um, I'm interrupting his night tonight as we're filming this for him to watch the fifth one. But they've had five right now. Um, so we've, uh, as uh, um, I don't know if Steve's mentioned before, we have, uh, he's kind of set up a texting group with a couple of friends of ours. And uh, we discussed the Lord of the Rings a lot. So we've had a lot of time to kind of munch on it and uh, talk about it and uh, kind of get down to the nitty gritty of what we think about it. Um, this is kind of a follow-up to our last podcast too. So if you didn't watch our last one, I encourage you to go see it where we talk about um, kind of our thoughts on adaptations and fan fiction and what we yeah. think they should look like, the different kinds. So um, probably before listening to this, jump into that one. Um, that might kind of clear up some things of kind of how we're approaching Rings of Power in general. Um, I think that would be help helpful. Yeah, that's that's great advice. That's definitely going to play a part here because if you if you know if you go into this thing and I don't want to get too too deep into my analysis already here, but if you if you go into this thing thinking that it's going to be like Tolkien resurrected from the grave and and wrote this new series for us and then just quietly dipped back under, that is not 
what we have here. And I'm not sure it's what anybody, um, you know, at Amazon at least thought that they were creating. Um, but yet, my one of my big gripes is that there are some people who, I guess, maybe even in an unspoken way, in a hidden way, they they expect this to have sort of the same quality of of, of literary beauty as something that Tolkien himself created. And the sheer reality of the matter is, I think that's an unreasonable expectation to place on um, this particular piece of work. I think it should be evaluated on its own merits for what it is, um, rather than uh, being mad about something that it isn't. So that's kind of my um, yeah my take. I think that's a good explanation. Just um, to add on to that one other thing, kind of, before we get into our points, this isn't necessarily a review. We're not going to give it a score, 7 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And we're not really doing a deep dive analysis, you know, episode by episode. We're more doing a general broad review of what we like about the show, what we don't like, if it's good fan fiction, if it's not, and kind of the more general aspects of it. Um, it's maybe help people out there who like to write fan fiction or um, just a kind of a, a different way to look at it. And like what Steve said, um, this show never set out to be a documentary of sorts for the Cimmerillion, which I would love to see. But right from the outset, yeah. even, um, you know, it was, they only had access to certain material. Um, there's characters that are made up. I mean, it is a very, you know, hard fan fiction show. Um, and so I think what Steve was saying is true is you have to look at it in that light, not if they're staying true to the book in every single aspect. Um, anyway, I think yeah. that's a good start. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. And and I so maybe we talk a little bit about um our own uh experience. So so my, you know, like my um I have good and bad things uh about the show and I think we're I think did you follow that same convention too? Are we each going to talk about some good stuff and some bad stuff? Yeah, I think um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah. So as we each approach our our thoughts on this, like for me at least it would be helpful to know that I am not what you might call a token purist. Um simply because while I've always, you know, had an awareness of his work and an appreciation for it, um, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not, again, I'm not a purist. I didn't like grow up on it. I, I was not like an obsessive reader growing up. I didn't even see the movies until recently. I've only seen the, even the first one, re, you know, recently. And um, I haven't even seen the, the second or third movies, which side note, I am going to have to rectify this very soon because there is now a spoiler around every single corner, no matter where I turn when I'm watching these YouTube breakdowns and all of this, it's like, it's like always there. So I'm going to have to just go ahead and knock out these movies and then go back and read the books to fill in the additional context. But, um, but in general, all that to say, I'm very new to Lord of the Rings. And so um, I have finished the first entire book i've also finished the about half of the no probably about three quarters i would think of the second book so i have definitely spent some time with tolkien's writing at this point and you know it is no doubt incredible writing um i have a very deep appreciation for it but not so deep that i am opposed to seeing something new in the world uh, that he didn't write so that's kind of where i'm coming coming from as far as my level of Tolkien knowledge and appreciation. I'm really glad that uh, um, you got into Lord of the Rings too. Um, just kind of crosses over. Steve's and I were kind of clashed since we started this podcast where Steve's kind of delved a little bit into the fiction side. 
and I've branched out more. We were just talking about, you know, websites that we're making tonight and everything. So I think Steve's Worlds and I are starting to kind of clash a little bit. And it's uh, yeah. it's fun to see a little bit of crossover. Um, so yeah. my um, history with Lord of the Rings uh, is really was the first um, line of fantasy that I got into as a kid. I was probably around seven or so. Um, my stepfather got the cassette tapes for um, The Hobbit. I forget um, which version it was or who did it. I just know it was a dramatized one uh, with music and everything. And as a kid, it was just phenomenal. And he would always tell us stories from the Cimmerian. I was a little bit too young to read that. It just would have been too much for me. Um, but he told us stories about it. And then I was nine when the first Lord of the Rings movie came out. And just so all through growing up was just Lord of the Rings, whether it was video games, watching the movies, eventually reading the books. Um, I would not say... I am qualified to sit up on a panel of uh, token scholars and be able to recite every single name and relationship and uh, be able to anal um, analyze every single story down to the T. But I have read The Cimmerillion three times, Lord of the Rings a few times, The Hobbit a few times, um, and amongst other research. And so um, my general knowledge of token lore is very good, even if my specifics are not. Um, as far as uh, token purist, it, I, it's, it's hard to tell sometimes what that actually means. What does that even I mean? mean I, yes. Let me yeah. put it this way. Um, if uh, if the Rings of Power were rewriting token canon, I would be pretty upset. However, that is not what they're doing. Token's writing is token canon, and this is a fan fiction. I think what the new Lord of the, uh, what the new Star Wars um kind of trilogy incepted which rewrite a lot of canon if i'm correct right i'm not huge into the star wars stuff but didn't didn't disney come out and say like hey this is actually new canon now in this situation i think that's I'll what honest, a lot of that things. sounds that sounds familiar although i am not very up on that so, myself gotcha so maybe i'm wrong on that but if this was you know if amazon bought the token estate and they said hey we're gonna you know change how token did this i, I would be pretty upset with that um so anyway that's kind of how i'm looking at it I'm um, going into it. I will just say up front, do I like Rings of Power? I do like it. Um, I think there's a lot of good to it. And I think there's some things that kind of rub me the wrong way in it. Um, but I do, I do enjoy it. Um, so anyway, Steve, yeah. why don't you start us off with, uh, with your list of uh, some things that you do like about it? Yeah, hundred percent. So I would say, first of all, um, I mean, the production is just insane, right? I mean, this is the most expensive TV show of all time, and you can tell. I mean, the the level I, – I remember whenever this thing was – you know, they, they were still just in the early – maybe not the early phase, but they were, they were releasing trailers, right? They were yeah. – and I remember that coming across a thread on the internet where they were complaining because the – like in the trailer, because the CGI looked so fake. And it's like if you read anything on the internet for three seconds about it, it was like it was real. It wasn't <laughs> it yeah. was it wasn't CGI yeah. that looked fake. It was actually the real thing. And so Yeah, yeah. You know, look at I mean that's that of course that itself is an isolated incident but it speaks to the mindset and to the cynicism of how some people are looking at this show basically they're looking for any problem that they can find and they're amplifying it and it's like i've got a, a dear brother in christ who i love on my facebook feed right now who is absolutely a token purist and he is freaking out and he like he does these pithy little you know whatever part you know episode you know, for part one review or whatever. And and it's just like, 
it's not even a review. It's just a, 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 a little mini complaint about a very specific yeah. thing. And, and I'm like, look, like the production on this show, like, let's give it, let's give us some credit here. The production is absolutely insane. You know, I feel like they're like John Hammond and Jurassic Park, you know, spare no expense. You know, they, they have spared no expense with this thing. They're doing a, I think, fantastic job on the actual production value of it. Um, so, so there's that. And maybe I'll share one more, one more good thing of mine. And then we can, we can toss that over to you for a minute. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I really like the characters in general. Um, I could, you know, do I have maybe little beefs with the specifics maybe? And I, I think you might have some, I'm going to let you get into the specifics on things and maybe we can chat about it in general. I think the characters are pretty good and pretty strong. You know, I do wonder about the, the, uh, the direction of, of certain characters where they're going to go with it. And there might even be some things from episode five that help that I don't, I don't know yet. Um, I'm a little, I, I will say, I, I just don't want to spoil anything, but if there's one character that I do have just some, just a little bit of issue with, it does, uh, Galadriel would be one that I have some problems with, but even her overall, I like, right. I, I, I think that like the, her lines have been great. I think she's a strong actress. I think she, you know, the first couple episodes, especially she was kind of like, you know, kind of really carrying it. And I, I mean, I think she's a good actress and she's playing the part. Well, even if I maybe have some gripes with some things that they've designed about her character overall, love the characters in general. Yeah. Cool. That's uh that's one thing that um I do like about the, uh, the show too. I think, um, I've actually pleasantly surprised with um, the characters uh, so far. I didn't think I would like um, Erondir just because um, I just didn't know how they would portray an elf, a, uh, a Sindarin elf. And I, I just didn't know how that would work. And I knew that kind of beforehand you could, you knew that they're from trailers and stuff, that there was a love story between him and the human woman. And I just, I didn't know how I would like it, but so far he's, slowly turning into one of my favorite characters and so uh yeah. and then all the other characters some characters are like right off the back like elrond and durin i love those scenes their chemistry between them is just great the friendship and um so there's some really really good characters in the show so i'm i'm with you on that um so uh one of the benefits um that i guess one of the good things that i do like is even though this is a show that's um kind of appealing well definitely appealing to the masses you know it's trying to garner as much views as possible really is the end game here um there's still quite a bit of um just token lore in there from like uh the cimmerillion obviously they had to pull from like other parts they couldn't they didn't have permission from the cimmerillion but things that um that make someone who has read the cimmerillion and knows um you know tokens universe um, just kind of smile and just kind of enjoy seeing things put in there. Like at the very beginning, um, not talking specifically about if the intro was good or not, but in the first episode, seeing the um, the trees of Alinor, um, that was really cool. And then um, Arendelle's references because Elrond is um, is his son and just how he became a star. And there's a lot of references that talk about him. And so just having those little tidbits just kind of make me smile because it's like, oh, that's cool. Like that's a reference where there's millions of people out there watching this. I have no idea what that is, but it's kind of cool that they still put that in there because it's still like a really neat token reference. And um, there's just a lot of small things in there that get put in that I really enjoy. Um, yeah. And to kind of, I guess my last thing too, as far as the mass appeal for that is um, I think one thing that's been great is 
uh, friends is like, my wife doesn't care too much for Lord of the Rings movies, but so far she really likes this show. Um, and I've seen a lot of other people say that. And so at the very least, it's brought a lot of people into Tolkien's world. And on the flip side of that, people who say maybe did like Lord of the Rings, kind of in the middle of the ground, maybe they're not like new to Lord of the Rings, but they're also not nerdy about it. Um, a lot of people actually like watching reviews and actually getting into the lore. So even though if the show messes up on something with lore related, and I have some gripes with that, that I'll get to, um, people are researching and saying, hey, is that actually really true? And then they'll actually say, oh, no, Token actually wrote it like this in the cinema, and here's how the show messed it up. And so people kind of in the end are getting good token knowledge anyway through research on the internet. And so it's it's introducing a lot of people yeah. into Token's world. And this is just, I think, a great gateway for that. Yeah, I agree. And I'll just check off one of mine there as well because yeah. I had the same thought. I think it's a really solid show just in terms of introducing this new generation to it. I, I mean, look, at I would... I guess if I had to choose, I would rather it have the sort of mass appeal because this is another one of my, you know, my sort of gripes in that, like, they do have to design the show for mass appeal because yeah. it's the most expensive show that's ever made and they need to make some freaking yeah. money, right? They yeah. need basically for them to do this, they need to create some token fans they need to create some new token fans probably quite a few of them and so i think if the show is meant to to do that then i think it's doing a fantastic job and and i'll and i like i was gonna say i think it to me if i had to choose i would rather it have mass appeal and still be pretty darn good and close for you know in terms of the lore and bringing in all those other stuff and satisfying those hardcore fans um and introduce a lot more people to the world who will go back and read some of the original stuff and certainly even a percentage of those who will now go in and read like the silmarillion and and the appendices and all these other things um i think i would rather do that than you know if if, if they sacrificed mass appeal and only appease right. the tolkien purists there'd be a lot of great stuff in there that they would get and nobody else would and it's yeah like, okay. i mean i would prefer i would love to see like a show of rings of power on this scale of production doing a shot for shot like documentary style of the simrillion like that would be I, I probably wouldn't do anything else in life except put that on repeat but it would never be made because it just wouldn't it wouldn't have the same appeal maybe and some people be like well good that you know don't make it i'm kind of line where well i want to get some more token in my life you know and so if if there's an adaption like this, then I am all yeah. for it. I'm wondering too, just as a side note, I wonder, I don't know if there's any way that they put out stats like this. It's kind of hard to, I would think, but I wonder, um, I wonder how much like uh, either through Kindle or other electronic forms, readership has gone up of the Simulation Lord of the Rings mm. since this has come out. I mean, yeah, that'd that's be a, a pretty really cool good stat question. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I'm, it's gone up sure somewhat, whether it's, I don't know if it's a minuscule spend or an outstanding number, but that would be uh, just kind of cool to see. Yeah, yeah. All right, see, so what other kind of good points do you have on uh, on your list? Yeah, I have two more. Um, one small point, but I love the music. You know, I'm a big music guy. And so especially during, um, I think it might have been, it might have been the final scene of episode four. Or um, it was just musically like, oh man, I don't know, it was just over the top. And I felt, I don't know, like at the end of that 
I think again, I think it was the last episode that that I, I got this feeling. Like I just got this feeling of that's it. Man, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like like that was a freaking like yeah. that was a production. Like I feel like I just watched the like a great hour long movie just from all the vibes of the production and everything. It almost reminded me of like um the finale of like a Broadway mm. type show or something like that. Obviously not in the style, but yeah. just in the feeling that it created in me. Um, and so I, I like that. And of course I like the music from the, the movies and everything as well. In fact, I, the audio books that I'm listening to of the Lord of the Rings are um, an unofficial version of the audio book um, by a guy named Phil something. I forget his last name, but the dude's like a, just a creative mastermind. I mean, total genius does everything himself, all the voices, all the music, all the, whatever, it's just one of those guys. And um, he uses the, the music from the movies um, to, to, to just help create the, it's like an audio drama experience of the, of the book. Um, mm -hmm. But and I'm really loving it. So I think the music certainly enhances it. Am I correct in that did the same it is the same guy doing the music for the that did it for the movies? I don't no. that, but um, maybe not. Fun fact though, Barry McCreary, who is doing it, is the um is the yep. He's the guy who composed the music for God of War, my uh, favorite one of my favorite video games. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. cool. Very um, good. It's All right. Cool. So so yeah, not the same guy, but whatever. Yeah. It's it's I thought it's uh, that I know of. I could be wrong, but I don't cool. think so. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's, my, my, it's one of those moments too, especially when um, the music in certain areas, there are certain shots that just really gave me that like Lord of the Rings token vibe that I got watching the movies as a kid. I think one of those scenes was um, the orcs chasing a Rondir and Theo through mm -hmm. the woods. And it was just like, it just kind of made me smile because like, this is what I want, like this feeling here. And when those yeah. happen, it's really incredible. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, totally awesome. Um, and then I guess the final point here that I wanted to make on that, on on the good side, maybe mm -hmm. we should have done the bad for us. I don't know. Um, was <laughs> that? Uh, but but my bad is well, we'll get to it in a second. Um, I, I believe they're doing the world justice, right? This is just the point that I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, I really think that you know, this is not bad. This is not a bad thing. This is on the whole, it is better that the rings of power exists mm -hmm. yeah. than that. It doesn't exist. Um, Absolutely. I think, and I'll be honest too. I, I'm really enjoying, like I'm, I'll raise my hand there. I'm one of the guys, like as soon as the episode's over for me, I get an extended episode because I go check out the heavy spoilers review, mm. Ben Shapiro's review. Uh, I'll check out the nerd of the rings. Uh, breakdown because I want to get into the into the Easter eggs and see a lot of the background stuff at least as much of it as, as they could possibly work with and so um, so I do think they're doing the world justice I mean I really I in my awareness only like personally know a few people who just like are disgusted that this thing exists you know kind of thing yeah, I'm uh, just like you know so like I think I think the world is better for it than without it so that's just kind of my opinion on on that and well that kind of goes to the first part of my uh my last few points I'll go through quickly of of the good is um everyone was and even me a little bit was worried about maybe like wokeness that would be introduced in here or interesting like, very heavily you know um, yeah just kind of like one-sidedness and um ideologies kind of slipping in there and so far there's been there's been none of that zero yeah i haven't seen any of it and like this is a movie it's, you've it's been very watch. clean you can watch with your kids and have a great yep. time and, and as long as the content stays that way that's going to be 50 hours when it's all said and done 
of great fantasy yep. storytelling and action and adventure um that you can oh, yeah. watch with your family like you can't to, in today's world you you can't you just can't find long-running series like that that do that so at the especially very- not that are the most popular show on television oh exactly well and, and you know what i mean yeah. like in the most you know like a show with this kind of production value like you almost think that they have to work in stuff like that to appease everybody but so far we don't have it so i'm happy so far yeah it it's been yeah it's been great um yeah and along with that kind of like what you went i think that the the acting has been really great um i know a lot of people have complained about i think those are just kind of the uh the rumblers and the grumblers um i could maybe see i guess maybe in everything there's a couple scenes where like oh that's kind of like an awkward like thing that they did or but as a whole um there's been range from you know good actor performances to just you know top of the line so so far i think it's been really great uh the filming the scope of it um the score um i honestly two things again another thing where people were making fun of the writing and how like cheap it is and then you know like they got like high schoolers to write it um i think that there's been quite a few really good lines in there that i have really liked i haven't written it down but i should but there's a lot of um pretty good quotes in there that um that have come up um one of my favorite things is maps i start a lot of stories that i write with maps that's how i think about things and i love the maps in this show just the transition from scene to scene and then also uh like in a lot of especially in numenor you'll see maps laying around and it's just like it gets me so excited so i love that they incorporate the maps and then um i love the orcs um just seeing uh more of a side to them that's been terrific one of the better parts of the show i think and then one part that I didn't think I would like, but for some reason I do, I think maybe it's just because of Nori and the adventurous like spirit maybe gives me Willow vibes, but I love the Harfoot um, parts of the story. I know a lot of people don't, and I kind of get mm. why, but for some reason, I'm just really liking that part of the story. It feels more uh, like very light fantasy. Like I like the silliness of it sometimes. And I don't know. I just, I really like, really like that aspect of it. Yeah. I'll tell you on that, on that note. So I, I do agree. I forget who it was who's who made this observation. One of the one of the people that I listened to with respect to the show, but um, somebody made the observation that they kind of feel like they were, you know, in, in, inserted to just give it, you know, the sort of the Hobbit type vibes that people sort of expect to see from Lord of the Rings, you know, to, you know, to make it warmer. So I would say a couple of things on that. My my from my perspective, number one. Um, I could see the current show working without it. So I'm not opposed to the Harfoots. Like I, I like, I like that storyline. Um, but I could also see it being like without that break. Like I could see it working with banks because all the other ones, all the other storylines are mostly like intense. You get a little bit of mystery around what's going on with Elrond and stuff like that. You can see the else. conflict pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so I, I wouldn't be opposed to it being more of a, you know, that conflict, almost war-esque, you know, type type of environment all the time. That said, um, and we'll get into this in, in a minute when I start talking about my I'm gonna put in quotation marks bad when I when I get to my bad stuff. Um, but they're gonna do something with this storyline that's that it, it, it's all gonna connect. Right. It has to be. This is how this is how writing works. Right. It, it's all going to connect. So there is going to be like right now, it almost feels like there's not a reason for them to be there. But I know there's going to be already parts of their story. Like you can tell it's going to be good and it's it's going to tie in. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm 
while a lot of their scenes like feel unnecessary now, at least to me and, uh, yeah. and some others, um, I know that they are going to serve a larger purpose. I guess I'm just uh, for me and maybe, I, you know, maybe they do it episode five. I don't know. But for me, I'm like, OK, well, I'd, I'd like to go ahead and see what their purpose is. Like, let's get it. Let's get let's get on with the show. So yeah. that's kind of my view on the Harfoots. But I, I do enjoy them and I like them. I think the storyline's great. It's just my- I could take them or leave them. My hopes is that the the stranger turns out to be a blue wizard because it's just uncharted territory, and I'd like to see that. And I would also like, I agree, I would love to see the Harforce or at least Nori and Poppy maybe have some type of special thing about them that they help bring about something. But yeah, on a scale where, um, like it doesn't get spread abroad, you know, like there's no, it, it's just that's one of those areas where I want it to fit nicely in token lore where hobbits just like weren't even really a thing whether they existed or not even if they did exist at that time just they just weren't around like no one cared right. for them or knew about them and so it would just seemed odd to me if like you know they're like standing on a pedestal with people cheering at them like it'd just be kind of weird so I hope something gotcha. happens with them something important but then it's more reserved mm-hmm. and almost like a more like a like humbling or kind of a you know a hiding way but anyway so to stay consistent with the lore, really, they yes. wouldn't, they shouldn't really have a huge, you know, right. presence here is yeah. what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. At least in my opinion, but I think that's kind that of makes back sense. too. <laughs> yeah, I see. I got you. Cool. Um, do you want me to start off on the bad since you started off with the good? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. So my bad, um, even though, so yeah, Galadriel, um, I actually, some people were opposed initially of her being like a warrior type. I definitely wasn't opposed to that. I was kind of excited to see maybe like Galadriel out there kicking butt. I was actually pretty excited about that. Um, yeah. The first episode, which is my least favorite, kind of run me the wrong way with a couple things. Like the initial fight scene was just with the troll was not good. I, I just, I think almost objectively so it wasn't good. Where you have yeah. these Alan warriors that have been fighting together for so many years. And then Galadriel just comes in and just like one shots this troll. Well, that, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and so that rubbed me the wrong way. And, but I kind of overlooked it, whether it's the first episode. And as it continues to go on, fifth episode, a couple things changed in the end where I hope her character changed pretty drastically before the end of the season. I wouldn't mind a quick character development for her. But um, mm-hmm. so far, um, she's just come, ac- come across as like foolish and a little yeah. bit ignorant um like halbrand almost teaching her things whether he's sorrowing or not a lot of things he's teaching her is um just kind of simple stuff that an elf who's been around for a few thousand years should know um yeah, yeah. and so uh, i don't and so i think that the writers could have done a better job with her and that's and that was she was the character i was looking forward most to see develop and it was a character i think they fell flat with the most and so that that's been a little bit of a, a disappointment and i've kind of seen that each episode yeah um i agree so i again i mentioned that she's the one character that i have some problems with i think it's for the same thing i, I i'm really trying to give them the benefit of the doubt i mean I, I think i think that um um some of her i don't know some of her ignorance foolishness rash decision making or whatever i do i do wonder in the spirit of giving them the benefit of the doubt if we can't say that her ability to use wisdom well, despite living for thousands of years, has been greatly impacted by how blinded she's been with rage towards the whole thing regarding yeah. her brother. I mean, she's been on this. 
I don't know the the numbers, what hundreds of years at this point, or th- maybe thousands. I don't know. Yeah, the it conquest, would be thousands. Basically, it would be thousands, yeah. I guess. Yeah, to thousands of year conquest to basically, you know, redeem her brother. She's very clearly not okay. She's very clearly still not over it, and it's still it's still clouding her judgment. I think quite a bit, and so I do think that. Um, it's consistent with her character to be a little rash, to be a little ignorant, to be a little, maybe even foolish at times because she's so blinded by, um, that circumstance. Um, for me though, that doesn't forgive or excuse though. Things like the troll scene, like that you're talking about, you know, like I look at, I am, I am a champion of women, right. But I'm a champion of women for what women are. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, again, I'm really big on this with, in a lot of different areas in life. I, it, the right thing to do, in my opinion, is to appreciate something for what it is instead of hating yep. it for what it's not. Okay. It's like, I gripe with this, uh, all the time with people with the Bible, right? Cause you get people who, um, they have bad expectations of what the Bible actually is and it grows them to fall out of love with the bible and so Mm, in my you know it's like when you when you when you learn it's like okay i'm just gonna rabbit trail because i haven't rabbit trailed yet this episode for it you're you're allowed to now so allowed to so i am sweet i yes i was given permission by uh, my boy al that's awesome so um so like a lot of times if you look at people who have deconverted from christianity a lot of times like i would say 90% 90% maybe I don't know exactly a lot of times people who have deconverted from Christianity have deconverted out of a fundamentalism that um was characterized by some very um by some things that are like common like across the board in terms of like you can find a lot of people who believe these things um but they're but they're misconceptions they're misunderstandings even um or they're not very clear as it relates to the Bible. And I don't really have a specific example to give you here, but just stuff like, you know, uh, for example, well, I'm going to give you an example is some people think, well, the God of the old Testament is immoral. Well, people who I'm describing would have grown up in a, in a, in a church context where instead of allowing that question and then exploring that question and talking about it, they would, they would um, get things like, well, you're not supposed to question God or, you know, that it's, it's, it, you know, the, no, the God of the Old Testament is not immoral. Um, you're just not reading the passage right or whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, do I think the God of the Old Testament is immoral? No, I, I think it's the only God who, you know, the true, the one true creator God. And I do not think he's immoral, but I could answer that question and, and look at the scriptures and like articulate uh, things about particular situations. It's like, for example, there's one, you know, specific portion of the Bible where God is commanding conquest um, and, and it, like actually asking that his people take the lives of other people. And if you just look at that scenario, it's like, Oh, why would God ask his people to kill other people? That makes God immoral. Well, it's, it's probably like a 10 hour conversation minimum to have, to look at the nuances and the details. But a lot of people aren't willing to explore that, or they've been told that they're not allowed to explore that. And so what are they doing? They're setting up a caricature in their mind, whether intentionally or unintentionally, usually unintentionally, sadly. Um, of what they think the Bible is and then they hate it or they think it's wrong or whatever. And so then they fall away from the faith. Well, if you just realize instead that, 
the Bible is an ancient document. It was written in a certain way. There were certain historical and even spiritual assumptions of the people who were writing it that, that when you're in their head, you know things that most modern readers wouldn't pick up on immediately. You get more context and you start to realize, oh, well, because of this, 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 and this, this is what the Bible is. And so now I can choose to love that for what it is instead of hating it for what it isn't. So that was all that rant to say that I see this in many different areas. And, and I think as it relates to Galadriel and being a woman or whatever, I'm like, look, I want to love this elf woman for what an elf woman is and what an elf woman sh should be. Let's not reinvent what our yep. definition of an elf woman is and then try to pretend to love that because it, it can't, consistently um be held to and so i think uh this you know maybe this is a gripe i don't know but the, but the whole warrior goddess thing like in general it doesn't feel realistic is the problem it mm -hmm. doesn't feel consistent with what we know about reality and it's like okay i'm just gonna rabbit trail on this for just another minute it's like we watch um a show called on patrol live which you might have you might know it by its name that it went by when it was on a and e a couple years ago called live pd if you don't know they came back out with that show it's called on patrol live and it's on a network called reels well multiple times now watching that show i have witnessed a scenario where a female police officer was overpowered by a male who was fleeing or resisting arrest or whatever okay overpowered by this person. Now, look, this is not a diss on females, okay? It's it's not a diss on females at all. Males have larger bone structures, bigger muscles. They are designed differently. They are oftentimes stronger than women. And I would say in every case, seriously, not kidding, in every case where I have seen a male resist arrest on a female officer, the male was not subdued until one or maybe even more males, whether citizens or other police officers, came in and intervened and helped in that situation. Why? Not because it's any shade on the female. It's just that the female officer in this case is physically weaker than the male um, suspect or convict or whatever. And so the point I'm making there is that's what reality is. And so when you see things like this Galadriel figure come in, it's inconsistent with what we know about reality. And so that creates tensions and i'm not you know whatever it's not like ruining it for me obviously but it is the one thing where i'm like that's not real you know so it's like mm -hmm. let's kind of let's let's deal more in reality now i know we're, it's elves and fantasy and all of that but but still i think i think my i think what i'm talking about still applies here when we see a female versus a male character etc we've so, talked anyway, about prior episodes too though with um even with fiction writing is good fiction writing is still based like grounded in reality you have to that's right characters you have to believe the setting and so even if that setting even if there's magic that magic setting has to be realistic if that makes sense so there's sure. certain rules and laws that i think it i think it makes now now I, I think you could have maybe an exception to this and this might be fun to banter about at some point in the future but maybe an exception to this is if you create a world where the female and male roles are like reversed in that world or something like maybe you create a world. I don't know where like, it's, it's like very clear that like a major feature of that world is the males are like puny weaklings and the females are warrior goddesses. But like, if you don't create that sort of assumption about the world or, or you don't in fact clearly state that that's what's going on in this world, 
then people are, I think are just going to assume that even the fantasy world operates according to a lot of the same bumpers um, yeah. as the real world does. And then you're going to create problems. So absolutely. Cool. Great um, yeah. Sorry about that. But no, you're no. good. Um, why don't I know that you've uh, kind of have some things here on your list. Yeah. Go ahead and um, yeah, go ahead and talk about your yeah. first couple points. Cause that kind of flows into mine. Yeah, I will real quick. So um, the first one is, and, and in fact, some of these, but let me just say this, a lot of my bad about the show is actually more of like bad around the show. Okay. Bad, like bad that I'm seeing and hearing. Um, I don't have that much bad to say about the actual production of the show itself, to be honest. I'm really, I'm really liking it. Yeah. Um, so what's the bad? Well, the writers are not Tolkien, which I've already discussed. I think if, if, if you're not going into it, with the assumption that the writers are, <laughs> are, are, you know, are Tolkien, then, then it's, it's okay. But, but sure enough, the writers are not Tolkien. You don't have the literary beauty in some things. Like I've definitely seen some um, really great quotes and stuff. I've seen some other ones that people have pointed out online where it's like, you know, they, they pointed out that it's kind of crappy prose yeah. uh, over and against what maybe Tolkien would have written. And to that, I say, okay, great. Um, it just so happens that Tolkien is, arguably the best at least one of the best if not the best fiction writers to have ever walked the face of the earth i mean that's probably a fair statement i would say yeah. and um it's kind of really difficult to imagine holding him to this standard or holding the show to the standard that it could be um e even that good um the the second thing related to that and just it's just with the uh with the writing and again the idea about how purists think about it and everything i just like to like assume that the writers don't suck okay um amazon has a lot of money they have spent a lot of money on this show and so while yes there are some things where maybe preferentially speaking you know we might have not liked a particular thing or thought a particular thing could have been better. I've just seen a lot of people really dissing the writers on this show. And I think that some of these scenarios, they're just not being given enough credit. Like maybe superficially, if you look at it for just a minute, or if you're looking for something to be wrong with it, you might find some, some things like I, I recall some people pointing out inconsistencies between like a character will say something, but then like a minute or two later, they yeah. violate the principle that, they said or whatever and and i'm like well okay maybe there's some merit to that but also like m maybe we should assume that a lot of eyes have seen this and they generally don't suck and they generally are trying to be consistent and so maybe there's something about that that you're missing or maybe that's the point maybe the point is that the character is inconsistent and we're supposed to take notice of that um and I'm not going to rabbit trail here, but I'll just make the quick comparison that this is also like what happens, you know, in, in, in biblical studies and in other things as well, where you're looking, if you're looking for something to be wrong, there are all kinds of things you can point out. But if you instead start with the bias that, yeah, writers generally don't contradict themselves. Amazon is probably going to hire the best people that they possibly can to be writers on this, given the budget of the show. If you take those things into account, it's kind of like maybe you should go a little deeper on what's being said maybe it'll make more sense or maybe there's something to it that you're missing. Is that a possibility? You know, so I would, I would say just making the general assumption that the writers don't suck could lead to potentially mm -hmm. a better understanding of what they're doing. Yeah, no, I, th I think, yeah, well worded. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, All right, you go. Yeah. So kind of 
going off from that into into the writing again i kind of give the benefit of the doubt just because there are certain things that they don't have access to for lore um certain things that they do and i don't know the exact specifics on you know every little thing but there are some things with the lore that they change that do just kind of rubbed me the wrong way and again the first episode was probably the worst in my opinion i think the first episode had quite a bit of stuff in it that just could have been a lot better for a first episode but one thing that i really didn't like because it kind of set the stage for galadriel's vengeance it also just kind of changed the perspective of how we see some characters um so the biggest gripe that i had was with finrod where the show made it out to seem that, you know, he had spent his whole life ended up, you know, trying to track down Sauron and kill Sauron. And, you know, mm-hmm. that was his sole goal. Where in reality, and I don't know if you've seen this in the videos, you know, see by looking at stuff, but in reality, what happened, uh, yeah, in the first stage was, um, I don't know this, forget the specific names and the specific battles, but a a man saved Finrod's life. And so in repayment for that, I forget if it was 50 years later or a few hundred years later, uh, but this man's um, great-great-grandson, descendant or son or whoever, um, Baron, um, was on a quest and to to steal one of the Simrils from uh, Melkor. But anyway, um, Finrod, in order to repay his vow, said, hey, I will go and, and help you with this. So he went with him and helped him. And on the way, they basically got um enslaved in one of sauron's fortresses um and so he ended up he did end up dying at the hand of sauron um in in that moment um baron ended up um escaping i think he was the only person that lived from there there was a group of other people i believe that were ensnared there though i could be wrong on that and so it wasn't he didn't die trying to seek sauron out to kill him because he wanted to he was some like john wick character trying to kill all the bad guys you know he was trying to fulfill his you know, his debt to this line of men by, you know, helping out this man. And it just, it, to me, maybe it doesn't, but to me, it just kind of changed a little bit. Someone watching the show who may not know that and thinking a little bit differently of the elves' minds and kind of, especially Finrod and Galadriel and kind of what their drive is towards, where I think it's just very, even though it's kind of subtle, I, I don't think it is. It's very kind of two different ways. You're of, right. And so that, yeah, I didn't know that. That's that really, that, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Now, they haven't brought it up since that for this episode. So I guess, you know, it doesn't have a huge bearing on the show itself, but just some weird stuff like that. And I'll go through, I'll go through them real quickly here. But sure. like another one is Galadriel being forced back in a way to Valinor and the other people right. having to fulfill the quest to go back where Valinor was something that like the elves could return to whenever they wanted to. It, or they could stay in Middle Earth. It was kind of a free thing, much like salvation, I guess you could say. You know, it's uh it's something that you choose to mm. not that you're forced into. Um interesting. Episode five had uh you haven't seen it yet, but they kind of went through a backstory, which the um the shooting of it, how it was filmed was really cool. But just a backstory on how Mithril might have been made. And I hope it's just kind of a cool story they put in there as like a folklore thing. Cause if they do make it an actual thing in the show. It just is kind of dumb for a multitude of reasons, but I won't spoil anything with that. And then I don't like, I don't mind some shows taking characters out um, just because, you know, if a book has 50 characters, you may not be able to develop it all. So I'm totally okay with taking characters out to, you know, fit the time frame. 
But um, I, I don't get that they added, so you have a sealed door, then you have his brother, and that's it. But for some reason, the show added a sister to, yeah. to the casting. And I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that, except the sister storyline so far has been kind of boring. I don't really see, she hasn't played right, any yeah. part in it. And so just a random addition to that just kind of throws me off. But um, there's other stuff too. But so there are some things when they come up, I'll like, sometimes it'll be such an obvious deviation that I'll think like, am I wrong on that? Like, that seems kind of weird. So I'll make a note of it and then I'll look it up after and I'll say, no, I was right on that. That, that didn't make sense. Um, yeah. So yeah. again, probably the worst one, yeah. is the first one I listened the first episode about Finra, they just really changed the backstory to Galadriel and everything, which I didn't like. Everything else has been kind of more of a, a preferencing, I guess. Yeah, nitpicky probably. Yeah, but yeah. But, that, but but that's a pretty big one for sure. So I, yeah, I'm on board with you there. That's that's maybe more liberty than they should have taken yeah. with that. I would I would say. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that was the one. That's the one big one for me, at least. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, cool. Um, so my next one is I, I really think the pacing could be improved quite a bit. I, I think this is more of a. This is definitely more of a. Um, um. I guess general, like, you know, critique. Yours are yours are yours have all been pretty specific, which is great and and um, <laughs> needed because you're the you're the right. So you're you're kind of the Tolkien nerd, right? So with the assumption that I'm not, amongst right? us too. <laughs> yeah, amongst us too. Yeah, I just from a general standpoint, it's like yeah, the show's kind of slow. Um, I think it was Ben Shapiro who opined that episodes one and two could probably have been smashed together, um, and I agree with that. Um, my caveat there is that I really do like all of the storylines. So I, 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 like I said earlier, even the Harfoots, I mean, even though I could see where I could take or leave that one, um, all of the individual plot lines and storylines, I think are, uh, I think are pretty cool. Um, I'm appreciative of getting like, even me, um, being on the, on the very outside edges of even a Tolkien fan or whatever, like I appreciate that, you know, like the role that like Isildur plays or whenever in the show, like I, like that's a name that I knew and recognized from right, right. reading. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this is pretty cool because it's, it's thousands of years ago, you know, backstory stuff to that. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to pick up on some of the little things. Like for example, for example, how the men of, of Numenor are able to live longer than just, you know, your regular yeah. run of the mill old guy and stuff like that. So let me interrupt um, you there just for a second, because yeah. it has to do exactly with uh, the Numenorians. I thought I was wrong on this because I didn't see any review person bring it up. And so I was I was stunned and maybe I still feel stupid about it, even though I've kind of confirmed my mind. But the Norm Numenorians, too, if not all of them, most of them were like huge, like super tall, like mini giants. So like Alendo on the show, Interesting. he's supposed yeah. to be over seven feet tall. He's like seven two, seven three or something like so. The really? is only didn't have long age, but they also were known for being I think their average height was at least like six and a half feet. Or something yeah. like that, but yeah. yet they're like normal. And I guess maybe it would be difficult to do all the CGI and have it consistent across the series. I I, I do get it. It's not like I'm mad about it. Yeah, but I'm just surprised that. And that was one of the things that I picked up on because I was excited to kind of see how they would make the Numenorians. And yeah. um, I don't know. It just seems like have you heard? Have you heard that kind no. of? No, that's what no, made I have stupid about it because I was thinking maybe I'm wrong on this, but I don't think mm. I am. Yeah, because otherwise they kind of look like regular old dudes, I just right? Regular people, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's kind anyway. Of I sorry to interrupt you there. Just you brought them. All up good. 
No, yeah. So, so I think so. The pacing, I think, could could be improved. I'm sympathetic. I understand that there's five seasons to this. You know, they're going to take their time. I would say they have to take their time. You know, they're not in any rush here. But I, I do think some of the development and stuff could have been could have been um, a little quicker. So, personal preference thing, maybe. Uh, but then my last one is that um, I do feel like that they're bumping into some unfortunate licensing limitations um i like i feel like they're not quite able to go all the way into the lore as much as they really would like to without having to hedge um you know yeah. it's like there, there seems to and by the way i don't think that you know i think you'd have to know the lore pretty well to like really see those things as you're watching the show for me i'm really only seeing it when i'm watching the review shows and stuff from the nerds who are looking at it and like pointing all these things out but when they point it out it's like, oh, okay, well, I can definitely see where they're bumping into, like, a real-world licensing limitation here. It's like they legit can't go any further down that path because if they do, they're in violation of copyrights. And that kind of sucks in the sense that, you know, I'd really love for them to just be able to, you know, dive into these things. I think it would make for a better show overall. Um, and so... I don't know. It is kind of where those, and we talked about this too with the, you know, viewership and things like that. It is, this is kind of an interesting place where there's always a blend between real world, you know, business, marketing, the stuff that I talk about right. and the fiction stuff and whatever. Entertainment ultimately has to be profitable or you can't afford to do it, right? That's even back in the day of where you had a patron, you know, the whole patron model of, of, you know, an artist would, would have, you know, people who could afford like kings and people you know leaders in the town or whatever like they would have people who would pay for them to do their art um paying to be entertained and so there is a business side to entertainment and unfortunately sometimes those real life business limitations you know um the art suffers because of them and so i think this is one case where you could say that like if they just had the rights to the silmarillion too it's like there are so many avenues where they could have gone I think deeper into and that I think the show would have been better for it. But I, I think on one aspect it, it would, but on the other hand, think about it now, I think it's almost a blessing in disguise that they're limited to what they are doing because I can definitely see me, myself included where if they said, Hey, yeah, you know, we're going to write this show. It's going to take place at the end of the second age, but we're also going to give you license to the all of Cimmerillion. Um, That would give them more license to really properly address lore stuff. But at the same time, I can also see them, again, for adaptability for the television, them really botching oh, some scary critical token things. Yeah. So I think it's almost a blessing yeah. surprise that they are limited in scope. Um, it, As Uncle Ben once said, with great power comes great <laughs> responsibility. Yeah, Uncle so, Ben. Uh, yep, yep, yep. So that's it. I mean, yeah, that's that's. Uh, cool. I agree. I think I think you're spot on there. Um, I'm going to go through my last points quickly. These ones are mostly you kind of find some of these things in every show. It's just more or less things that put you out of the realism of the show. So I'm just going to go down this quick list. Um, the first one is, I think it happened episode four when Galadriel fought the three guards in the tower. Did you, do you remember that scene? And she like, yeah. it was kind of an all of scene fight. And all of a sudden the last split second, you see there, let's like throwing three men with one push into a prison. Right, scene. right, 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 right. And it just, it's just one instance where, I'm totally okay with Galadriel beating up three guys. Just make it kind of realistic and brutal to some right, extent. Right, uh, right, right, just right. Makes, it takes me out of that realism element. Um, a couple other things. This last recent episode, you didn't see it, but there was just, 
a, a cringy sparring scene that I just don't like. And you'll know, I think, what I mean when you watch it. Um, so let me know what you think about it. I don't want to spoil it for you. See, it's just one of, it's just a cringy scene. Anyway. Gotcha. <laughs> um, sure, sure. I kind of touched on this a little bit. Halbrand apparently being smarter than Galadriel. Again, maybe if he's Sauron, that could explain it. But it's mostly simple stuff that he's kind of teaching her. Um, and this is a right that people have a lot more than I do. It doesn't, it, it, but it kind of puts me out a little bit is the ethnicities that are just kind of showing living together. Um, I don't really care about it too much. Like in uh, Numenor, um, you, you do have a broad range of people living there. It's a huge island. Um, that doesn't really bother you too much. But then you have the Harfoots, who there might be 100 people in the group, and you have like three or four different ethnicities there. And it just, oh, it just yeah. Kinda, it yeah. Kinda, like I can't help every time watching and just thinking, like, how do these people end up together? Like, are they the same people or are they not? Right. And if they're not, how, like, Harf, like, hobbits were that big then like i'm picturing this group to be like basically the only group of you know hobbits or harp itself so, so it where's just, all that diversity where's yeah exactly so it just kind of puts yeah. me on the elephant and then one thing that i love the harfoot kind of line story but one thing i don't get is um that they just like basically leave behind the week <laughs> and uh i know it just feels so unfortunate so, <laughs> you know it's so weird now maybe there's a point to it like i yeah. guess like i guess if they face that many that much evil or hardship along the trail in the only way for all of them to survive is to put the weakest in the back i guess it yeah, makes sense like but it just poor little mini who stubbed yeah. her toe we left her behind exactly. you know people remember it's like what like, yeah exactly it, yeah you know i so, i don't know that's so, that's why I said I could but, take or leave that one. But these, uh, those moments, though, I, they kind of show that that there are very good moments in this show, simply because um, the bad ones really stick out. Anytime a, a really like kind of oh, yeah. bad, unflattering scene happens, it sticks out like a sore thumb. I I just came into my mind too. One thing that I just realized: um, we didn't have one complaint about um, Arondir the elf or Doran or Elrond. I think those so far those two kind yeah. of storylines while maybe not perfect um are the most solid right now i'm going yeah going on um i they're agree very well developed um i think most people are really loving the elrond and durand oh yeah especially. absolutely the guy i forget his name olaf or something like that who's playing or who's playing Duran. that guy just nails that part and it's just yeah. it's so good it's so good. It's everything yeah. I would want from an elf dwarf friendship. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, I guess to sum up yeah. my thoughts, um, I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm glad there's a rings of power. Um, some things rub me the wrong way a little bit more than others, but I'm still going to keep watching it. And uh, I really hope that it gets even better. You know, it's the first season. I'm hoping that uh, oh yeah, it's hitting its stride more and more each episode. And so I just hope that momentum keeps going. And who knows, maybe by the end of it, we'll be looking. And I hope we can say, man, like this fifth season, they did an awesome job, you know, wrapping it up. So hopefully it hopefully it turns out that way. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that some of the critical stuff will 
Wayne even like like uh, I I guess I hope that it gets to the point where everybody can just kind of like you know go back to business as usual and just accept that it's a really good show. Um, this is the and, 2022. Everyone saw right. it. Not in. <laughs> yeah, you know it's like stop like like you know where every episode and I'm sure it's not going to be you know because of what it is it, it's I think it's always going to be every time a new episode comes out you know it's going to be an event you know everybody's yeah. going to be excited about it and Amazon needs it to be that way in order for it to be profitable frankly. Um, but it's like it's like chill a little bit with the criticism. Let's just try to enjoy it as much as we can, and then yeah, you know, go from there. So yep. it's just a TV show. At the end of the day, it's a freaking TV show. It's like it's not even like uh, an adaptation of the Bible, like the Passion of the Christ, and like people get right. nervous about stuff like that. It's uh it's something that's made yeah. up. Yeah, like get over but it, it took up but it took up an hour long podcast so like it did a rather out there 100%. all right uh story of the week i'll go ahead uh first i guess if that works for you um, yeah go for it my story of the week um so when uh kanye good old kanye um came out with his gospel album gee i think it was three years ago now yeah it had to have been um i forget what the album's called but uh, I listened through it and like it was okay. Um, it was decent. There were a couple songs on there that that I really liked. But one of them that I really liked was called um, uh, Use This Gospel. And it just got a really good beat and rhythm to it. I've always liked Kanye too anyway. And so I, I really like this song. And so I told Amazon the other day, I said, you know, you know, play uh, Use This Gospel by Kanye. I was like, it's been probably a year since I've listened to it. And then I saw that, um, is his name Khalid? I, I'm not sure, but some other with, rapper. With Khalid? Is yeah, that I think so. Khalid? He ended up uh, making a remix of it. And I was, I was like, okay, like I'll listen to it. It sounded pretty similar to it. And it said uh, Kanye West in Eminem. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and so it, it just kind of... It, it was weird. So I listened to it and the first part was is a little bit different, but it was just Kanye doing his thing. Um, and, uh, you know, the intro, uh, I guess it was the first verse. And then for the the chorus, I think it starts out with like the chorus. Anyway, the first verse, they changed it up where it's all Eminem. And have you listened to it, Steve? Oh, no. We'll listen to it after together. Um, but yeah. it is uh, like if if it wasn't, Anyway, I hate, I do not like judging people's hearts, so I'm not going to. I just, it's just kind of funny how, um, just with Eminem being known for kind of being, you know, like a quote unquote worldly, you know, rapper. Yeah. And um, if you, when you listen to what he's rapping about, you just, it kind of blows your mind a little bit. Anyway, this song, um, this song with Eminem, the remix, top um, the Christian charts for you know, a week or two or however long. Really? So I think Seriously? he's like, it's something like he's the first artist ever to hit like the top Christian, like, like, you know, he broke some sort of record by hitting the top Christian chart as well. But yeah, Eminem uh, got like a number one hit song on the, I don't know by what measurement, you know, I don't know if it's gospel or what, but honestly, so I'll listen, I'll listen to it with you after. Um, But anyway, yeah, um, that's my story of the week. I just thought it was, man, cool and interesting. I okay. did some research on it two afterwards sorry i did some research on it too with eminem and i guess like in his first album before um slim shady um he, like there's a there's a song in there all about him like uh saying that like you know god's place somewhere he is and you know there's nothing else and that's like that's the only way that he's you know at where he is anyway just like i guess there's a whole history with him kind of inserting stuff in there so i just thought it was it was neat and just something to 
fun to think about. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, I'll, I'll say to you, this is off topic, kind of. Um, <laughs> but I noticed that, I don't know if you know that Toby Mac, I, I'm sure you know who Toby Mac is. Um, his, his son uh, died like a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was an accidental overdose from what I understand and terrible situation. Well, you know, just a few weeks ago, I think they interviewed um, Toby Mac on um, Good Morning America. Yeah. And like they did like a piece on him and like, you know, that's frankly, pretty big. Yeah. Let him say things that they don't yeah. normally let you say. I was pretty surprised. Yeah. The news. Um, and so again, this is not a polit- this is not a religious podcast, and you guys know by now, like story of the week, you can turn us off if you want to, but um, but this is it's interesting, it's an interesting thing to me. I'm seeing more um scenario like CNN, even C- CNN has sort of re reneged a little on on the way that they handle certain things in terms of like what you might call wokeness and things like that. Like they mm-hmm. were losing all of their ratings because people were just getting so tired of it. And so like, and you've seen com- big companies like Netflix and stuff. And so uh, I, I'm not pontificating on anything here other than to say things are looking uh, pretty interesting. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Congo. Things are looking pretty bad <laughs> in Congo. Things are looking pretty strange in the Congo in that it is, I'm not saying, obviously I don't think we're like, on the brink of experiencing some Christian revival in America. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm just saying it's um it's interesting that uh Christianity is being given maybe a hair more of a voice than it has been mm-hmm. in the past couple of years in the yeah. public scene. And I'm not exactly sure what all that's about. Um yeah. but it's not a bad thing that people are getting to hear the gospel um yep. in a scenario where they normally wouldn't um i don't care if, it, if the gospel comes out of eminem's mouth my mouth or a rock yeah, exactly. mouth. Yeah. it's still the gospel right so um in that regard i think that's a really really cool thing yeah definitely um so to completely 180 into my um uh story of the week it's of course a business marketing related one and it's just uh it, but it is story related and it's the advice to stay out of your client's wallet um i heard this thing many times by different people but whoever said it this way i forget i forget who it was um it might have been jenny blake i i that's really random but she's an author it might have been jenny blake that i heard say this but that's not the gospel for sure um (laughs) but stay out of your client's wallet whoever said it this, this is the way they said it and i was like oh that's so powerful what it means is stop assuming what people can pay for things um and that's it. I mean, that's the lesson. Stop assuming what people, a lot of times when we try to sell people things or whatever, we think in terms of um, what we would or could afford to pay for it. And ultimately what we're doing there, guess what, is we're creating a story. We're creating a story that's not real in our mind um, that biases what what maybe our products or services or whatever are worth. And so we need to stay out of our client's wallet. We need to, we need to charge fairly for things that we sell regardless of the price and it it will price some clients out of working with you there are people who cannot afford to work with my, me and my team today and it, mm-hmm. it for whatever reason like again you could put whatever story behind that you want to but there are people who just can't afford to do it because we can't afford to support people who aren't paying a certain amount because we have bills and Also, we're pretty good. So like we should get paid good for what we do. And 
if it will, you'll always be held back. And I still, by the way, I still struggle with this. You'll always be held back if you're constantly reaching into your client's wallet and, and making assumptions about what they can charge. Honestly, you should just never have that thought. It should always just be, you know, Hey, look, this is the price and then shut up and then wait mm -hmm. for them to say something. Um, because very, very often people are better financially than you give them credit for being mm. and they, or, or even if they're not, it yeah. doesn't matter. That's the point. It literally doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. if they, if they, you know, with the exception of, okay, like Dave Ramsey tells people not to use credit cards. So you cannot buy something from Dave Ramsey with a credit card. Okay. That's called being consistent. And so I appreciate that. However, I'm not telling people that they can't buy with a credit card. So while I may be tempted as a personal finance nerd to feel bad if they're using a credit card or reaching into their savings or whatever to pay for my services, that's none of my business, frankly. They wanted my services. I gave them the price. They agreed. And that's it. Um, really, I should not think about it uh, any more than that. And, and I'll say, sadly, I spend way too much time even today knowing this, thinking about things like that. But but honestly, we should just be staying out of our client's wallet at all. Right? It ends with, mm -hmm. this is what you should pay for this thing because it's worth it. And that's it. So and anyway, if you're wrong on the price, then the market will let you know and you can always adjust. That, that's right. Then the market will let you know, and you can and you can always adjust. And I'll I'll be kind of vague about this, but in my yeah, in our work that we're doing, I I think I potentially could have been a little wrong about one of the prices that we were putting out there, and so the market told me that, and so I adjusted, and, and so here we are, right? And we're going to see what happens with that, right? Yeah, but, it's interesting yeah. Uh, as a uh, <laughs> kind of video game creator dabbling in it and just looking at market stuff. I'll see a lot of times when video games first come out, they'll put a price point up and I'll see sometimes a video game will on their release date, the game will be 20 bucks. And then two weeks later, it'll be up to 25 because they're selling like hotcakes and they realize they could yeah. make a lot more money. And then other times that happens yeah. more often than not. The other option, the other times that I see, again, I'm looking at mostly popular games that have kind of made it. Um, I will also see times though where a game will come out at 20 bucks and then two or three months later, their new flat price will be 15. And so right. you see those adjustments and that's fine. It's just, you know, people are willing to pay for your product. Well, and funny enough, one of the best ways you can, measure this is if if too many people are saying yes okay now that might sound funny but mm -hmm. if everybody says yes to your thing then you don't it's not expensive enough right yep. you don't have enough you don't have enough resistance there and that's especially true in the services um industry because it's like it's like you know me and a, me and a, a colleague um he runs a business similar to mine we actually do a lot of work together and his business it's like it's like he'll quote a price and the and the people are like, you know, yes, within five minutes. And he's like, oh, I should have charged a thousand dollars more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's yeah. really funny because at a certain point, after you do this long enough, right, you you almost get to a point where it's like it, it we're talking about a project that was in this particular case, thousands of dollars, right? Where most people in our in his position, you know, would be like, Yes, they said yes. And he's like, ah, I just ah, it, you know, you know, and it's 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 kind of funny to be to the point where it's like you're upset because they said yes. But it you know, it's it's true. It's like if you're not experiencing any price resistance on your thing, you're you're too cheap. You yeah. know, that's just that's just business, right? That's basic sort of business economics. Right. It's important. So good stuff, Steve. All right. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Great episode on on the rings yep. of power and um 
Uh, I hope again, like check it out. It's a great show. I think you guys yep. should definitely watch it. And I would say, you know, you don't need to have much context at all with the Lord of the Rings. I think to jump into it, I think a, yeah, a newbie could, could jump into it. And, yep. um, you know, I think it'll create a love for the entire world for you. So definitely do it. Thanks guys. And we'll see you next time. All right. Later.